All right. Um, I'd like to welcome you out to another edition of the Lodestone Training and Consulting Podcast. Uh, I'm Micah Musselman, and actually today I have the pleasure of joining Jared Ross for my first ever one-on-one podcast, so no pressure, right? <laughs> none, none. Yeah, not whatsoever. Um, so this one's going to be a little bit different, and, and I think all of you um, listening uh, where you are are probably going to pick up on that. Um, it's my intention that we get some some good good content out. It's going to be kind of deep. It's going to be... Um, I want to try and be as transparent as possible with this material. Um, so if you indulge me a little bit, I'm going to go through some things, make it a little bit different. Um, I'm going to do some shout outs and then I will try and jump into this uh, a little bit. Um, so real quick, uh, my sister, Rachel, before I left for boot camp, she had given me a gift that has never left my side. Even when I've wavered in my faith, it has never left my side. And I have it right here. It's my Marine Bible. Um, so Rachel, I just talked with you last night. I love you. and Thank you. Uh, quick shout out to James, Dan, and Rocco, the Project Refit team. Um, I just got back from uh, a healing retreat, you know, for veterans, law enforcement, and first responders, and we'll get into that later as well. Uh, but just, guys, thank you so much for what you did for me and the other gentlemen out there, and I can't wait to continue to be involved with you. And um, I would love to see how this relationship grows with the Lodestone uh, community as well. Um, well, I might forget my other shout outs, but uh, Chris... Love you. Wish you were here. And I know you have a lot that you could add to this conversation. Um, and then I guess the last thing I want to say is, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are struggling, uh, going through some difficult times. Um, I know just in the last few days, I've become aware of a number of different things that have you know, challenged me, my wife, and, and you know, yeah. those, those around us. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this, this is for you all. Um, I had mentioned to Jared that this might come off as sounding like another, this is me intro podcast. Uh, that's that's not the goal. That's not the intention. Um, but I do feel like that is, with the question and answer format that we'll get into, with our shared suffering uh, and experiences, I feel like our stories are the best vehicle to try and relay that information. Um, so with that, guys and, and girls and, and kids, you know, grab a pen and paper Um write stuff down as we're going through this, you know, I hope, and I'm sure there's going to be some pause throughout the conversation because we're going to be trying to think about things or, you know, it's just going to be that pregnant pause. Uh, so take some time to, to take some notes and, you know, I want you to feel like you're here with us, uh, in this conversation. So, um, that's about all I think I have to say. So Jared, thank you for giving me the time and space to do this. I really appreciate what you and the Lodestone family has done for me. Um, it, you know, I, I, I will explain it, but not, not right now. Um, but it has really been a, a blessing in my life. And just with this podcast alone, um, I really appreciate the trust that you're giving me. So with that, I know that we usually start off with, um, you know, like a, a recap of classes, trips, mm-hmm. and a, kind of a way ahead. So I'll go ahead and hand it off to you. Cool. Uh, well, you... Yeah, guys, you probably heard last week, um, the podcast we dumped last week with Chris and I, we recorded it midway through SHOT Show. So that's what he and I were doing out there, you know, having fun in Vegas um, <laughs> and uh, and doing that. Um, SHOT Show for us, you know, now that it's over, it was probably the most productive one that we've had. Uh, we met a, with a lot of good people. Uh, we definitely are going to be moving forward with uh, some some new companies to us that are really going to add to what, what we already do. 
it was a good time. Um, what I wanted to show is uh, two pieces of swag that I, I picked up out there. Um, one was super cool, and at least for me, being you know the type of nerd that I am, really really thought was neat. And uh, this isn't um, this is just swag that, that that was offered that you could yank off the table. And the first really cool one is a pretty cool PVC patch that I picked up from from Law Tactical. I've been an advocate of, of their folder for a number of years. Uh, the last time I went on a real deployment, it was on my Mark 18. Uh, it's something that um, isn't for every rifle, but it certainly has its place. So that 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 patch there is, is pretty cool. Glad I got that one. And then on the far other end of the spectrum, <laughs> the, the lame, um, we like, uh, we, we've used UTMs. Um, it's probably one of the best products out in the market, but they've always been a difficult company to work with. And uh, anyways, they were the only ones out there to have masks on the table. I had to grab one. You can't say lame more than, than having this nice of a face diaper that, yeah. that you were handing out, out to people. Um, so anyways. I love that filter. Yeah. <laughs> right. Lead, lead the way, right? Be the change you want to see in the world. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> But as far as things that are coming up, we have um, <clears throat> the uh, ODA, or Prepare Like an ODA Conference. That's probably the next biggest thing that we have coming up. Um, gosh, I don't even, what's the date on that? It's uh, February 17th. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, February 17th. And that's going to be all day. It'll be here in Harrisburg. We have, I don't know, you, all the information is online. But Chris and I have really, uh, we're working hard uh, to put out really good information. And I think it's going to be, similar to some of the things that we put on the podcast, especially the Prepared Like an ODA podcast we did two, I don't know, maybe three years ago, um, as well as some more uh, information, newer information. We're really looking forward to be able to to get that information out and just help empower. Um, so that's really about the only things that I, yeah, I really had. Yeah, I'll jump into some of that. Um, you know, I, I've picked up some of the the administrative stuff behind the scenes, and, and really that's, that comes down to um, class registrations and waivers and whatnot. Um, that that conference, Prepare Look and ODA, that is really getting a lot of a lot of interest. Yeah, uh, we've had so many people um, signing up, and, and and a lot of couples too. I think I've seen a handful. Um, I also kind of wanted to touch on Night Fighter. Mm -hmm. If you could just say a little bit about that, and then I'll give a follow up. Okay, uh, Night Fighter. Really, we've we've run the Light Fighter Challenge for for three years, and uh, this is kind of just a uh, a new flavor in that where it's going to be all at night, and most of it's going to be under night vision, and there'll be some shooting as well as doing some other things. Um, really, the distance is, is cut in half. Instead mm -hmm. of rucking eight miles, you're going to be doing four miles, and then you're going to be getting into different stages and doing some different things. Uh, this being the very first one that we've run, we've got a pretty good idea and a pretty good plan. But still, it's going to be there's going to be unknowns mm -hmm. since it's our very first time. Um, but it does look to be a, a very fun time and a good time to come out and, and push yourself and to push yourself on yeah. the nods. Yeah. It's going to be at uh, PGA or uh, the Pennsylvania Gunfighter Academy. You know, that's located close to Altoona. This will this no, it won't be the first event that we do there. We, we've we've done other events, but um, this will be the first, I guess, big event that we'll be running there. And it's such a unique place. Uh, you're going to be, if you participate, you're going to be going through buildings. You're going to be going through a tunnel system. You're going to be going through the woods. <laughs> you're going to be hitting various terrain. It's it's going to be a challenge, but it's, it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a fun time. Yeah. I, I really look forward to, to running that. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I, I can't wait to hear uh, post-event 
yeah. the experiences people have. You know, I don't know if it's haunted or not, but if you got to see or hear something, by all means, you know, let us know. Well, uh, there's rumors. Yeah. Always, always. Bring your GoPro. Yeah, yeah, bring your GoPro. Uh, who, who knows? We might have a Sasquatch out there walking around. Uh, it's not me this time. Uh, and and yeah, you know. I, Throughout this podcast, uh-huh. I'm going to be saying things just to, to lighten the mood a little bit. But, yeah, I know that Chris is going to invite his best friend Murphy, so mm-hmm. we're going to have some <laughs> issues out there. Um, but anyway, uh, it, it, on that note, mm-hmm. um, guys, I've got your registrations uh, for that. You're you're on the roster. You know, everything's are set up. I know you haven't gotten your um, confirmation. confirmation emails yet. Uh, I'm still waiting on a couple things to, I think, straighten themselves out before I can kind of mass blast that out there. Um, but we've got them. I got you covered. We'll be all squared away for that. And, uh, yeah, I think that's it for, like, for classes and things like that. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that you would like to say? No, let's, let's, let's get into this. So or, w- while we were having fun <coughs> playing, you went out to, uh, yeah. to Montana. Yeah, so... Minor side note before we really jump into this, um, I have given Jared and myself some some boundaries, some rules, some structure to this conversation, and I'm really relying on his trust, and I'm giving him mine um, to really get through some things. So, so there's that. So yeah, he kind of alluded to um, an event that I just got back from. I had the opportunity to go and attend a veterans, you know, I get the easiest way to say it was veterans retreat or like a healing retreat um, uh, through Project Refit. Uh, I think their headquarters, I'm pretty sure it's out of New Jersey. Uh, A lot of the guys there, a lot of the other veterans um, were from the New Jersey area. We had some come from uh, New York. I think the farthest guy came all the way from Louisiana. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so great group of guys. I'm pretty sure there were nine of us in total, including the three uh, Project Refit staff. And um, yeah, so the whole idea is they're, they're trying to set up a way for veterans who have a hard time, you know, with different types of therapy or whatnot, to, to really get some time to fellowship with their peers. And to do it, they have these retreats. Um, ours was a uh, flew out Wednesday, came back Sunday, and so they have. Go ahead. We first became aware of them. They they contacted us um, springtime, I think of last year, and they wanted uh, one person who works with them and, and donates money and time, ma- making it all happen. Mm-hmm. Um, he came to our, our wilderness skills class and and some of our other classes. And he thought that the wilderness skills class would be a good uh, base to to have one of these yeah. retreats. Yeah. So they did. They um, we set it up. They uh, their funding paid for it, and they brought out uh, and paid for a lot of different veterans to to, to come and, and to participate. So we did the wilderness skills stuff. So they they learned how to you know they build shelters, fire everything that we normally do. But then mixed in with that was the camaraderie, and then mm-hmm. taking time to talk. And and you actually you went to that. Yeah. Uh, and you went in blind. I I, I didn't <laughs> tell you what it was. Like hey you. Know, we're working this weekend. Yeah. Are you free? Yeah, yeah. What an experience! And boy, was I unprepared uh, for the things that were going to take place. And uh, something that James, one of the co-founders, who was at both the the PGA event as well as the one I was just at, um, uh, one of the things that he had said was um, that experience that that group of veterans had. He said was one of the more powerful. Um, retreats that they've ever run hmm. and you know again I, and I'll touch on this later too it's like the when you're in the right time 
when you're in the right place and when you have the right people, special things happen. You know, God-inspired things happen. And so one of the parts that I think made that event itself so so special was, one, Chris, I mean, what a, what a man. What a, what a strong individual to get out there and, and really set the tone right from the beginning. Um, he, he really was that leading edge for that experience for guys to feel safe and mm-hmm. comfortable and confident in themselves. Uh, so that, that was, I think, part of the right people. Um, but then also the weather was just so harsh. <laughs> you know, it, it was tough, you know. Uh, I think at one point the, the feels like temperature was in like the teens or something like that. And these guys were staying outside in shelters that they built uh-huh. know, with like trash bags and leaves and tarps or whatever. And um, That's right, because um, that was part of the deal is mm-hmm. uh, their, uh, their kits and everything, 72-hour yeah. kits, they, they're yeah. all provided for them and yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. they had a, their bags given to them with a couple different items, and it was go time, right? And uh, so either, either way, um, many of the students tapped out for staying overnight in their bags because it was freezing cold. It rained most of the day and well into the night. And uh, I mean, like, uh, I was joking around with Chris because he and um, Flynn did a podcast about gear serviceability. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man, I got to get some, like, wax to, to reapply to my jacket. And so I did. I got otter's wax. Um, but I didn't buy the tools or, what you know, whatever. I'm complacent, right? Uh-huh. And so I'm out there and I'm like, oh, man. This is a good product that I must have misused because I, I was drenched by the end of the night. And uh, so anyway, um, a few of the individuals did stay the night. Um, Harrison, a gentleman that was also with me in Montana, and, and, and then with the other ones that helped set this up. And um, man, kudos to them because it was, it was rough. I had frost bouncing off my my nice cushy tent in the morning, uh-huh. you know, but anyway, so I think it was also that aspect of the shared suffering. Yeah. Nice truck, buddy. Yeah. Uh, that shared suffering, um, also helped, I think, break some barriers. And it was that, that, that physical piece that was able to, uh, kind of just like let down your guard a little bit. That, that, that always does. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, people are so isolated these days, self-imposed isolation, you know, geographical isolation. But if you cannot get outside into nature at some point, it's going to start becoming a problem. Yeah. It, it just is. And given the opportunity, um, if you can get outside, go for a walk. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. Go sit on a park bench, you know, be that guy <laughs> feeding ducks and squirrels or something. You know, just, just you got to get outside. You just have to. Um, so getting back to the Montana trip, right? Um, we, we flew out uh, Wednesday and we stayed at one of America's largest bison ranches. And, you know, the person that owns this ranch owns a number of other ranches in the area. And actually one of them was used to film dances with wolves. Okay. So you can kind of get an idea for the landscape and I'm sure we'll put images out and cover the landscape and stuff like that. So it's just, you're really out there in your big sky country. There's plains, there's plateaus, there's mountains and forests. And it's just, you know, you can't explain it. It was just beautiful. Um, so that by itself was just overwhelming. Um, so we get out to this ranch, um, take the night to, to get together and we have our first fire. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to keep calling them council fires. I don't know. I don't remember what they called them. Right. Uh, so we have this first fire, and there's some things that I'm not, not at liberty to share, but in general, the fires are our time to get in touch with things and to share things, uh, again, with your peers that have been there in some form or fashion, can understand what you're saying more 
than than those around you on your day-to-day life, and they can just be that voice uh, to respond with positive affirmation, with compassion, and with tough love, which yeah. some of our guys found out out there. And was it was it was difficult. It was really difficult. So, um, I I could talk about this experience at length. And I fully hope that some of you all do take the time to approach me about it so we can talk about it for a number of reasons. Um, so have these fires, uh, subsequent fires they have each night uh, were, were structured with an intent to you know, create uh, an environment that guys could, could speak in and get things off their chest. And um, so you know, that's kind of how the nights went, right? And the next day we went out and we met in the office of the ranch with the uh, with the ranch crew. There was um, the manager, the ranch manager, the, the, the foreman, uh, one of their newest um, full-time hires who was a seasonal part-time uh, awesome young guy, awesome young guy. Alex, really glad to have met you, buddy, and uh, can't wait to see you again. Uh, so super amazing group of people. And, and Billy, the, the manager's wife, was there, and she made some awesome food. And, ah, uh, man, <laughs> that parting dinner is going to be hard to replace with anything else that I've made. Uh, so that was just great. And it, so, you know, what was really amazing was when we sat down, it was still, we were still feeling each other out. And now we're sitting down with these complete strangers. And so the ranch manager, Billy, took the time to to lead the way and share how him and his wife went from Pennsylvania in Chester County and made their way to Montana with almost nothing because they just knew something was wrong in their life and they wanted to, to find a new way mm-hmm. to do things, right? Uh, a healthier way to do things. And so he shared his story about how they got out there and how they got their feet under them and challenges and struggles they faced. And um, so at that point, all the staff shared a little bit about themselves and you know what they've accomplished or, or struggled through. And, and then that helped us open up to them. And so the whole concept was, you know, we would sit there at this first round table and not one just not just get to know each other, right? But also that was our first chance to be vulnerable with yeah. each other with with our peers as well as with these people that were trying to create an environment for us that would help us heal, you know. Um so just like I had mentioned with Chris at the other event, it's like in some form or fashion something happens at the beginning of these events where it is just an instant icebreaker, and from the first, you know, structured uh, event, you you are starting to feel that safety, that comfort, and that shared camaraderie, that that just built and built and built by the hour, by the hour. Um, so, I'm not going to go through everything we did out there, mm-hmm. and um, before we move on, one of the things that really helped me at the fireside when it became my time to share was I was stuck. I had, In this notebook that they gave me sitting right here, I had written down all these things that I thought I wanted to talk about. And when it came time for me to talk about things, I was really stuck. You know, I didn't want to put that information out there. I didn't want to feel like this one way just like flow or, you know, like a purge of, of pain or, you know, me. I didn't want to just push that on to people. And so... Uh, what ended up happening was I, I kind of stood up. I said some positive affirmations to myself, which I'll be excited to share live in a minute. Um, Please. Yeah. And okay. uh, so then I just said, hey, guys, you know, this is me, and you're going to ask me questions. So I changed the format of how we were doing things to that point, and I had said, like, it is on you guys 
you know, nothing's off the table. You're going to ask me the questions, and that's going to allow me to, one, focus my energy, two, reach that energy and, and come, come to the conclusions myself or reach those stories and pains and feelings and relay that in a way that um, was easier for me to do than just, you know, like blasting it out there. Yeah. So it created a pathway for me. And, and in doing that, you know, obviously you ask a question, I give an answer, and then all of a sudden it just starts firing off. You yes. Know, left and right. Um, and please interrupt me at any point because this is this is great. I'm really enjoying where this is going already. <laughs> and I, if you don't stop me. Oh, I'll stop you when it's appropriate. Sure, and sure. I already have some questions, but I'm going to wait for, yeah. for for the right time. Perfect. And, and you know, I got to be delicate and tactical about this and really be diplomatic, but I'm probably going to cut you off too. <laughs> so don't, you know, we're both brothers here. Yes. Right? Um, so anyway, um, so I had set that, you know, boundary. And that's something that I've struggled with, setting a boundary. So I set that boundary in that tone, and it turned into something truly amazing. Um, so that's what I want to implement here. You know, we both have a lot of experiences. Um, I mean, how many decades did you spend in the service, right, and, and, and all of that? And, you know, it's very humbling for me to sit here at this table with you. And, again, we'll get into this later, my coming into Lodestone. You know, it's just very humbling to be here right now at this point in my life and in the life of this company. So... Moving forward, we're going to get into kind of like a call and response type format. And um, what I really would love is, and I think I alluded this to uh, alluded to this earlier, is for all of you out there that are watching or listening or you know coming across this information, a, I want you to take notes. I want you to write things down. I want you to pause this video when you need to. If you need to go cry or whatever, you know, like. Great. I wish I could cry. So good. I hope you have that release. Uh, but anyway, just pause the video, write things down, you know, do whatever you need to so that you can be a part of this conversation. You're not in the room with us right now, but I want you to feel like you are. And I really want, you know, well, go ahead. And why are you watching? You're watching because you're part of the, the LTAC family. Absolutely. And we've invited you in and, yeah. and you keep listening and because you are a part of this, so yeah. so that that open invitation that, that you just gave that that that's spot on. Yeah, you guys are here b- because you know what we stand for. You know yeah. you know who we are, and uh, this just might be exactly what you need, and a way for you to to heal and a way for you to uh, be you know yeah. be better. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know I've just since that trip uh, experienced a lot of uh, healing in. in in Montana and you know since coming back boy it's been tough because the life just throws so much at you when you're feeling strong and capable and I feel great walking through it and and my intent with this is I want I want all of you to you know get something out of this like I got out of that trip I want you I'm gonna give you all homework stand by Uh, I want you guys to really take this opportunity to reorient your compass you know get that map out, find your way ahead, and just charge through it. You get to that next, you know, designation. You get to that next plot point. You get your punch, and then I want you to know exactly where you're going, and you can get to the next one, and get to the next one, the next one, and the next one. And then you can turn around and look where you came from and be proud of what you've done. Um, So I'm going to be all over the place, too, to be perfectly fair, because, you know, this is kind of difficult to navigate and everything like that. And I found out in Montana that... I usually have the habit of like throwing my hands out and be like, okay, I've got two things I want to get through. I've got three things I want to get through. And then out there, as soon as I would number them, I would forget them. 
<laughs> so bear with us. We'll get through this together. And then um, the last thing I'll ask, because I could talk forever, but I really want to get into stuff, is I want you to share this with anyone and everyone that you can or that you think would get something from this. I know this is going to be helpful for at least one person, and that's my goal is I want to help at least one person with what we're doing here today. Sure, I would love to have high numbers on something like this, videos and Instagram and YouTube and all that, but trust me, that is not the intent, and I just, we're here for you all, and uh, so with that, I'm going to share my positive affirmations, and then that will help give me the courage to, to really get into this. And I hope Jared comes up with some as well, but no pressure, <laughs> okay? Um, so the reason I'm wearing this scarf is because it's from South America. It's from Ecuador, where my family's from. And uh, in finding out some of my ancestry, my grandfather's grandfather was still living in a tribal community in the Amazon. Um, and so that first night, well, not, I'm sorry, not that first night, but that night that it was my turn to share and I was really feeling stuck. I had built this massive fire because I knew it was going to be difficult. And I'm a very symbolic person. Um, so I built this massive fire and I'm standing there with this scarf on and I just started holding it. And so right when it was time for me to start, I looked at the fire and I said, my bloodline goes back to the Incan Empire. I am a warrior. I have a heart of gold. I am Micah. Let's go. And boy, did it go. So that's me. Let's go. All right. Now you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, and... And you, and you are. This wasn't. You didn't pre-warn me that you wanted me to, to, to say some kind of yeah. affirmation like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, it's pretty easy uh, for me. Um, I'm a child of God. I know there is a God, and He's my Father. And through Him, and through His Son, I can. I can do anything that, that they ask me to do. And that really has has given me the strength to uh, you know to take one more step and just one more step through through trials through yeah. through life through mm-hmm. through uh, through everything and that's that's a bold statement. It is. It is. And amen. And you know, words mean things. I had a team chief that I would write down. You know, we would be coming up with reports for the embassy or other teams or whatever like that. And you taking your first draft, mm-hmm. and he would just red pen the heck out of it. <laughs> And he, would, he wouldn't give you the answers because he was a great leader. Mm-hmm. He would just hand you this back and say, words mean things. You need to fix it. And so, yeah, I mean, there are such – there's power in words. And when you can be that positive and affirming for yourself, you know, there's a lot behind that. And so uh, I'd stomp the ground because that's the, the tell that that's going to be important later. Um, <laughs> but start thinking of yours, everybody. Um, so actually, and you know what? I'm going to catch you off guard again. I got something down here in my pocket. Um, okay, Jared, if you could just shake my hand real quick. So uh, this is a small token. Oh. This is a small token of my appreciation for you bringing me onto this team. Okay, I really appreciate this. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. And you know, there's uh, not too many of those around, so. Here we are. Let's go. All right. <laughs> Let's get through this icebreaker and get into it. So I think a good way to start mm-hmm. would be uh, the natural progression of, of your week out there. So you started, um, you, you brought us to the point where you're at the fire. Mm-hmm. You said what you said. Now now take it from there. What were uh, what were the things that started to, to come out of that for you personally? 
Yeah. Yeah. So actually, I had shared on the last night of Structured Fires because um, a lot of things that I'll get into. There was a reason for that for me. Um, and well, I'm going to start. I'm already going to stop you right there. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that you said earlier was um, peer-to-peer. Mm-hmm. Why is peer-to-peer uh, counseling talking? Why do you feel that's so important? That is a fantastic question. Um, so I, I did kind of like a little interview with the, the refit team that um, will be out there in the future. But basically, I've, I've gone through a pretty wide variety of different types of therapy, whether it's group, individual, um, coping mechanisms, you know, some that I, I think were very helpful, obviously others that were not. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, some faith-based and some that unfortunately grew, drew me away from my faith. So just in everything I've tried to do to be a better me, most of them helped. None of them hit home like I needed them to. And I've just been on this cycle of, you know, being in a good place, hitting that modern day or that current event stressor, and then you start that spiral, and that spiral just gets deeper and deeper and deeper, and it just pulls everything back, you know. You could have you could stub your toe, and the next thing you know, you're sitting there sweating and having nightmares about stuff that hadn't happened for 15 years. Um, so anyway, th- w- what I think was really important about this peer-to-peer therapy was I avoided the veteran community like the plague when I got out. And I know that's a common trend with, mm-hmm. with a large number of people. Um, well, I know there's a guy who was out there with you. Uh, he's been on the podcast. Uh, yep. Captain Ron is... Mm-hmm. Is, uh, oh, I didn't know that was his podcast oh, name. Th- that was his handle, yeah. Great. And um, he's also a Marine. And when he got out, as he's expressed to me, and um, I could be wrong, but mm-hmm. but as I recall, he um, he avoided, avoided that contact. Yeah. And it wasn't until he was invited uh, by a friend of his to come out to, might have been our first, it was either first or second Cephalic, uh, flat range class that we ran yeah. um, and he spent all five that at the time is only five days now it's six but he spent those five days and afterwards he he's like I've missed this I've missed this camaraderie mm-hmm. and that was therapy for him going through yeah. and doing that stuff and then he's been very active with us and and he's been pursuing other things as well getting yeah. back to, and, and getting that contact yeah yeah and I can totally relate to that being out with uh, this organization it's like man I just <laughs> I say all the time, like, I can't believe I get paid to do this. I'm just so, like, <laughs> giddy out there playing in the woods and whatever. But anyway, I digress. Um, so the peer-to-peer therapy stuff, uh, the self-imposed isolation from communities that you've been a part of and that were, you know, major in the, the formation of your adulthood or life experiences, you know, whatever, um, it's part of your identity. And identity, identity is a difficult thing to lose and it's also important to to still hold hold close to home. Um, so that peer to peer therapy. Oh man, I forget where I was going with that, but we're gonna charge ahead. Um, yes. So I avoided the community because of a few main reasons. Um, so one of the things that I ran into, and it's just you know everybody knows, is the idea of forgive my language war porn, right? So there are a lot of people out there civilian and military and other whatever that all they're looking for is a cool story you might share something that was you know to you something very different and they don't care 
All they want is they want the, the flashbang-in-the-face story that they can then turn around and tell their buddies. Mm-hmm. That's it. And that is so shallow and, and is such a disservice. Um, the other thing that really gave me a hard time because of how I viewed my service and lack thereof and compared myself to those around me that, again, very shallow people out there will ask you a question or ask you something and you start responding and they do not listen whatsoever because they have no no intention of hearing what you're saying. Uh-huh. They are clearly just saying like, okay, here's this and I want you to reciprocate and ask me my story because I have this cool thing or I, you know, I have this thing that I want to share but I need you to help me share it yeah. in a, such a negative way. And it's just, uh, as well as, you know, alcohol and substance abuse being prevalent in the in circles uh, of the country. So, and there was a third one, but yeah, either way, it's just like, those are really big roadblocks that have given a lot of veterans a very hard time and have pushed them into corners by themselves to where they just start drowning. You know, I remember seeing this picture uh, before I even got out, and it was just a cartoon caricature of um, a soldier and he was in the ocean and he had all his battle rattle on, right? And then there were different pieces of equipment that were tethered to him, you know, dummy quartered like mm-hmm. a good soldier or mm-hmm. marine and they were pulling him down and then swimming all around him were different sharks and each thing had a different label on it. And, you know, one was like PTSD and uh, one was just like uh, finances, you know, just the realm of everyday life that gives people hard times. And it was just, you know, he was just barely underwater. And I think that was so significant for me to see that, like, all of these things, you know, by themselves, all the danger, all the fear, all the doubt, you know, you might just be just under the water. But it doesn't matter if you're just under the water or if you're on the bottom of the ocean. You're still, still going to drown. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, that's why I avoided the veteran community. And that's why for me coming out here and standing among my brothers and fellow warriors um, and and guys who, you know, there was a very diverse age range, uh, service experience, service length. You know, it, it was a very, very great uh, pool of individuals out there. And so, you know, I would see somebody else say something and remind me about um, motivation for going in okay. just a minute. So anyway, these guys were sharing things and it, it made me feel comfortable and I knew that I would be able to share with them. And just being able to do that with people in that community and hearing the response that I got from them when I gave them the freedom to talk back to me. Because <laughs> I may have been a beater, uh, bully. They say leader, but I say bully, whatever. Um, but when I when they had the opportunity to, to kind of respond um, with what they wanted to say, I'll never have that experience again. I'll have others similar and just as profound, but just wow. Yeah. That was more than I'd ever received in my life. And I truly mean that. Um, yeah. Would you like to say anything about the, the power or strength of peer-to-peer involvement? Uh, when I um, when I got into SF, um, I went in with the expectation that I was going to be the junior guy on the team mm-hmm. and that 
I uh, would have to keep my mouth shut for, you know, and my, my plan was I'm not going to, you know, speak up for 18 months because yeah. I want to learn and then and then maybe. And uh, very positive, also very negative. I, I got put on a, a brand new 4th Battalion team in 5th Group. Okay. So for those of you who aren't aware, uh, during the middle of GWAT, um, they stood up a new battalion in each of the, of the um, each group, active duty group. So when I showed up with my two uh, combat deployments to one to Afghanistan and one to Iraq in the 82nd, when I showed up to that team, I was probably the uh, third, maybe fourth most experienced guy on that team. We had a lot of Sopsy guys on there um, and other guys who, you know, didn't really have any experience. Anyways, the, the point of all that is I went from my plan is I'm going to be quiet to now now I'm, I'm being put in a position where I have to lead, I have to do stuff. Yeah. Um, anyways, um, with it being a 4th Battalion team, there's a lot of inexperienced people there. And I was there on my team only a matter of months. And uh, my junior bravo i won't add you know i won't say his name but he he, he took his own life mm -hmm. and uh, that was that was pretty uh pretty devastating and uh because we had we were already a team and a bunch of you know everyone's different everyone's knuckleheads but because mm -hmm. we had already had that team and and we did everything together being able to uh to share that loss and then as a team go and uh support his family, bury our friend, and uh, and be able to, to talk. I think that that's, was very healing, very helpful, mm -hmm. where if I would have experienced that or if um, the other guys on the team would have experienced that, we would have been isolated and not had that, that peer-to-peer peer -peer, um, freedom to talk and to, you know, laugh at our friend and then get angry at our friend for being so stupid yeah. over something that, that was that was trivial and then, you know, loving him and, and getting all those emotions out, it would have been a pretty pretty rough. Yeah. And then um another thing that uh for me that um was completely unintentional is I started getting a rep around being a uh a uh I was serving as a lay um minister in my church okay. and the word got around that you know i was basically like an assistant pastor and uh and then guys in the company um they had stuff they needed to get off their chest and some of them went to the our uh, battalion chaplain and some didn't want to go to the battalion chaplain those that did they didn't like the experience because here he he had all the training um of how to counsel and, yeah. and what to say he had the um the educational background mm -hmm. but because he hadn't experienced anything that these guys had um some of them started gravitating towards to me because yeah. i didn't have any of that formal training but i could relate i knew what it was like to kick down a door yeah. i knew it was like to, to suffer a loss and what a privilege that was and again mm -hmm. i really didn't do much other than just i can sympathize i can relate and and, and, and listened and that's enough that that, that is definitely enough um, and, and, you know, the idea of shared suffering and what we realized out there in Montana was, you know, like, so you're walking around all day with, you know, like Pilgrim's Progress. You got that giant pack, you uh -huh. know, your tick, you know, whatever you want to call it. You've got all of that on your shoulders that you're carrying every day. And then when you get into the right place, right time, right people, you can take bits of pieces off and pass it around to those guys around there that you've built that rapport and trust with and they'll gladly carry it for you and how many times do you say to somebody that you care about i'll carry your pack for you mm -hmm. or something like that and um so 
it's about shared suffering and it's about sharing the stress and supporting each other you know you gotta you gotta help that downed man yeah and and that, that's really it so yeah awesome i appreciate you sharing that um so anything else you'd like to jump into because like i said i want this to be a question and answer because <laughs> i i have a hard time just like rushing mm-hmm. into things so i'll give you that freedom to pick and poke well i any longtime listeners of the podcast uh you know we talk about a wide variety of 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 subjects and things we've done EMPs we've done training shooting wilderness stuff we've told funny stories uh, all sorts of stuff but what's the the common theme really of of the podcast is is we want you to be better today than yesterday and be better tomorrow than what you are today mm-hmm. that light fighter concept be, yeah. be be an asset um not part of the problem uh heal yeah. and and really that's what I want to get is is what were the things that with the most healing that the most sure. uh, empowering of, of those of that experience sure and that's what the listeners i want you to hear that and i want you to be motivated to to, to do the same thing yeah so um i'm going to take a roundabout approach to this mm-hmm. again with personal experiences being that vehicle to get into that so at some point i'll probably ask you to repeat that question um but one of the biggest reasons I went to different forms of therapy, even through the VA and vet centers mm-hmm. in the area and stuff like that was, I think, and this is hindsight, um, and I'd spent time talking with my chaplain before I got out and all that, mm-hmm. but I, I think I would constantly go to sources that I knew would be gentle with me. I went to those sources that I knew was their job to make me feel better. And where, of course, I want to feel better, I don't think that actually led to any sort of constructive criticism, healing, or growth. There was certainly that involved. And there were certainly times where I had to challenge myself. But it still was missing that piece that only my brothers could to get could get through to me. Um, so full transparency, um, at the very base of it, I feel like after I got out of the Marine Corps, I never did the job a Marine is supposed to do. And so from that mindset, which started when I was in third and fourth grade of not being enough or not being good enough or not being capable, all of that self-doubt, self-esteem, you know, lack of worth, all that insecurity, you know, naturally just grew because I, you know, things, things uh, progress. I don't care what you're talking about. Things always progress. Nothing's ever stagnant. And so when I had that mindset, you know, I I could look at my career and be proud of things. Um, But because I couldn't associate that, you know, you did a good job, boy, I couldn't attach myself to those feelings of accomplishment or value because I felt like I didn't suffer like those men and women around me Mm -hmm. um, that that I was less than. <clears throat> and um, and that was just really difficult, right? And so, um, I constantly, I'm gonna lose my train of thought while we're going through this, but the idea was, you know, getting out and labels are where they are, you know. After getting out and having a counselor saying, you're showing symptoms of PTSD, right? Um, one, it was kind of nice to hear that because then I could put like 
some identity to to my struggles uh, that helped me, you know, try and do some research or whatever. But it was also a tough pill to swallow. Mm-hmm. And because of the way I viewed my experience, as soon as I heard that, I put up a wall. I couldn't, I couldn't identify with my trauma because in my mind, I didn't rate it. I wasn't worth it. And I just could not bridge the gap between my experiences, pre, mid, and post-military experiences that were difficult. I could not attach any value or, or um, I just couldn't, you know? I, I just couldn't. And so that created this really negative cycle of suffering without any kind of resolution. And so for me, my biggest takeaway from this was was that, that I am worth it. I am a leader. I still do have that heart of gold that just got buried and buried and buried. It's still there. And, and I am a warrior and I have suffered and I have gone through really difficult things. And being able to just finally address that and believe that in myself is the exact reason I went there. You know, being with my peers and having the doubts that I had about myself and one of the, this is so shallow and you know, it's, it's, it's embarrassing to talk about this stuff. Mm-hmm. It really is. One of the, um, so this is difficult, right? For whatever reason, it's it's dumb. So whatever, I've got my scarf on. Let's go. Yeah. Right? So I don't have a combat action ribbon. So that's not to say that I wasn't deployed multiple times to combat zones, and didn't suffer and wasn't put into, you know, red line moments multiple times. Um, and one of the things that Chris has actually said really struck home for me. He he had given this example one time that like. You know, some of his more stressful encounters were those times where, you know, there's that threshold where you get into an engagement. And he said those times where that pressure and that tension would build right up to that line yep, and then back down, you know, that's that's tough. Oh, yeah. That's tough. And so that's literally a story of my service. Um, let me uh, – yes, I will jump in. Yes, sir. So leading up to that, you were saying, you know, this is silly. And and I'm sure you feel that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then also, don't dis- discredit or discount those very real feelings. Yeah. There, there are some extremely irrational things that all of us have, all of us experience that, you know, in, in the big picture, that it is pretty silly. But for us, in the moment, it's it's very real. Yeah. And th- those emotions, those feelings are, are, are real. And when we uh, dismiss those, then we're doing ourselves a discredit and, and disservice. We're not healing we're not helping ourselves by yep. just dismissing that yeah um even though they might be in the big big scheme might be silly mm-hmm. but still we need to accept what they are and then we can we can heal we can move on yeah. we, can, we can move on to something different yeah and i think part of that for me is you know like i said words have power and so i like to say things out loud that mm-hmm. my negative self-talk is uh-huh. whispering in the back of my head yes and so by voicing those things i can hear it and i can see how fake it is how not real it is how not me it is yeah and um so anyway dang it jared uh so yeah i so there's a lot more that goes into that idea other than i just don't have a combat action urban and i'm going to share a couple things real quick um because they help me Mm -hmm. they really do um so 
there are three Raider battalions. First and second primarily do a lot of the door kicking kind of stuff, right? And third battalion was primarily conducting FID, going on J sets you mm-hmm. know, all over the world, doing that kind of stuff, by, with, and through, you know, host nations, coalition forces, whatever. Being very good wannabe Green Berets. Fact. Fact. <laughs> yes. So we and, adopted and, a lot of your things. And, and, and honestly, I, I, yeah, haha, I joked, but mm-hmm. doing a phenomenal job. Yeah, yeah, I'm so, very good. Very good peers. Yeah, I'm so proud of the guys that I served with, and I've gotten back in touch with, and they're still doing fantastic stuff. Anyway, um, so I'll never forget a couple things that happened because I was in Third Reader Battalion my whole career, mm-hmm. and so I didn't have those traditional Marine Corps, Iraq, Afghanistan deployments, campaign ribbons, mm-hmm. you know, combat experiences, whatever, and that really haunted me. And um, so we were in a jump brief getting ready to go out and do some jumps static uh, yeah okay yeah it was sky trash <laughs> anyway um so it was very middle school lunch table click like so we had the guys that thought they were the door kickers and barrel chested freedom fighters and you know some of our guys at third you know had that experience in their background and could mingle or whatever mm-hmm. but it, there was a very clear pocket of individuals who not were shunned but were definitely pushed back a little bit yeah so that was kind of painful to see. And um, there was an experience that I had. We were doing a language immersion, like, culminating exercise for, for the language I was learning. And we actually did that out in Montana at the Montana Forestry and Wildlife, um, one of their, like, satellite campuses that was in the woods, back in the country or whatever. And so at, at that event, there was a, another Marine who was also at, at those jump events. Um, so we, we crossed paths plenty of times, and, and I really looked up to him. And the interactions that I had with him out in Montana, I really appreciated. Uh, he's a highly decorated Marine. And for a young Marine, um, he is a very strong person. And so I really looked up to this individual. And, of course, because of the culture in this country, alcohol was involved. Mm-hmm. And me, him, and, and another individual, a guy from my team, um, who was going through it with me, were drinking, hanging out. Things got escalated. Things got a little heated. And at one point, he just yells at me and my guy, you guys are just a bunch of F and J setters. And wow, for someone to do that, you know, I fought, I had some follow-up conversations with somebody that knew him and was still around him. And actually, my first um, my first uh, team commander I mm-hmm. got back in touch with, and he said, you know, I know him. I know he didn't mean that. I know that was just the alcohol talking, which helps, but it was still said. And that attached to me. Yeah. For sure. And then um, the last thing about that, like, my uh, my uncle was in the Marine Corps. He got me in. Because I got in, my sister joined, didn't make it out of boot camp. She did her best. Um, I ended up having a cousin go through and become a Marine. And I ended up having my ex-brother-in-law join because of me and become a Marine. And so at his wedding, you know, he and I both wore our blues. And, you know, I have my chest candy and he has his chest candy, right? And he has that common action ribbon. And he had spent a good portion of the following ceremony making sure he pointed out to people that... I may have more than him, but I don't have the single one that is important. Uh-huh. And, you know, it's, it's silly, right? But when you're in that mindset already, 
that you're not enough, that stuff is just hammering those nails in that coffin tighter and tighter and tighter. And I could not get away from it. Um, so where we started with this was what was something that I found healing out there. One, uh, you know what, before I do this, um, validation is what I kept looking for. That word has been so damaging to me. Validation. And I've sought after that here at our, at our events and with you and Chris and Kirk and, and Red and everybody else. I have sought validation from people that I thought were qualified to give me that validation. And the problem is, it is such a trap. I started really low on the ladder, right? I wanted my family to express, you know, value in what I did. And then the trap is, it's not enough. And you climb to that next rung on the ladder that you qualify as somebody who can give you validation, and then that's not enough. And you can climb all the way into the clouds. Yep. And you will never find somebody qualified enough for you and your insecurities to give you validation. Yes. Ever. And so I texted my wife uh, the first night of this retreat. You know, I had that, that moment. I was like, you know, it's not about validation. It's not. What I feel tonight with this, this group of people is I feel valued. I feel appreciated, and I feel affirmed. And I wrote that down, I texted that to her, and I've said it many times since. And those are the words that I can identify with to use to value my experiences. And it is never about validation. That is such a trap. And I hope every single one of you hears what I just said. And if you can't get off that validation train, Get in touch with me because it will haunt you. So, yeah, coming out of um, sharing my story, which obviously I talk a lot, right? I ended up monopolizing a lot of time. I had a lot to go through. and <laughs> Good. And I haven't done it in a long time. So I ended up having like three different fire sessions. One time we weren't even supposed to have a fire, and I started one anyway. <laughs> and so, boy, thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> um, it was that... It was those three things, value, appreciation, and affirmation that I got from them that I will never forget the things that they said. And I even started my conversation by saying, like, ask me questions. I'm going to share stories. Don't share your stories because that's not helpful for me because I'll compare. And I'm not looking for a pat on the back and blah, 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 you know. Uh And I was trying to, you know, blah. And uh, of course they didn't listen. And they would give me positive affirmations. They would say things back to me. And the one guy, um, Rocco, even at one point, you know, he, he was a very short individual. <laughs> and he is very um, abrasive isn't the right word. Outspoken isn't the right word. He is a very strong person. And he has a very strong uh, character. He's a great guy. And he had said, you know, like, the word leadership came up more times in that whole experience and at those firesides about me and my strength of character and my leadership abilities that I've ever heard in my life. And the fire that that has lit in me is indescribable. And I'm trying to own that leadership as as best that I can. I want that to be true. I want 
people to see that in me and not for shallow reasons, not because I want this position. I want people to be able to come to me with whatever burden they are carrying. I don't care what it is. I want to be there for people in that position. So anyway, he, you know, he even broke it down and said like, look at you, you're standing here by the fire and you know, we have all this structure and you, you stand up and you just, you say, my bloodline this, my heart this, 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 and you're standing by the fire and you tell us how it's gonna go. You say, I'm not sharing, you're asking me. You're not talking back to me, you're not this, you blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I set the That bully, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I, I set those healthy boundaries, I set the expectations and standards, and I jumped through that fire. Mm -hmm. And just, yeah, I will, here we are, right? You know, I don't know where to go with that, but that does answer your question. Yeah, yeah, it sure All does. Right. Yeah, okay. I, I think you really, um, you hit on that, that affirmation, oh. that, uh, um, not affirmation. Appreciation, value, affirmation. Yeah, I guess it is validation. affirmation. Yeah, validation. Yeah. That's the word. Gotcha. You, you hit on that, that validation, and man, that is such a, a, a trap in, in so many ways. Yeah. Where people keep keep chasing, mm. and you're right. Um, it's it's like one of the problems that I've seen individuals say chasing that pro timer, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. They're not good enough unless they beat their last time, and uh, so then they, they keep. That's the focus instead yeah. of the, the the why. Why are we learning how to shoot? Yeah. Why why is all this important? Um, and you're never going to be fast enough. Yeah, uh, that's another thing. And somebody's always going to be faster. Yeah, someone will always be faster. Someone will always be be better than you in, in some regard. That that's yeah. a truth. And uh, you, a person can really be unhappy if if they get stuck in, in that train. Yeah, and and, and following that path. So that's, that's that fine line is you know that all we all have to figure out as individuals is how do one, how does one want to keep working to improve and better yourself. But not that be your your sole goal because then you, you never will be happy. You never yeah. will, will be satisfied, yeah. and you will always be um, beating yourself up. And personal criticism is important; it helps mm -hmm. to grow. But when it's uh, going so far that it's it's affecting you emotionally, then 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 that's wrong. That's gone too far. Yeah, yeah. That's and, not healthy. And that is so easy to slide into. Mm -hmm. You know, self talk is such a helpful and difficult thing right mm -hmm. and so you know like one second you you silliest example i can think of we were in the vehicle um out, out in town and um one of the guys actually captain ron said a joke and immediately i added to his joke and this happens all the time and you guys are probably going to relate to this right away um and immediately my self-talk went negative and so i verbalized that i said hey guys you ever hear somebody's joke and you try and add to it and then it's quiet and you think, geez, I, I shouldn't have said that. I, I'm stepping on his joke and uh -huh. nobody cares about what I just said. And it's just that silly. It's And Captain Ron responded with like, bro, you said what you said, man. Who who, who gives a you know, yeah. Who cares? And uh, what a tough love guy. Great guy. Anyway, and so that's what starts it. And something so small. And then before you know it, the next hour, the next day, the next week, it hasn't stopped and it's just compounded. And yeah. So I think words have value, and I think imagery and analogies also carry a lot of strength. And so with this whole validation thing, it's like, 
once you start looking for it, you're not a hamster on a wheel because that wheel's spinning. It's doing a lot of work for, for you, right? And so when I said you're climbing this ladder, I really mean it because you are putting in work, sweat, tears, effort into finding this thing that you think you need. And like, like we said, you're never going to get it. I just wanted people to visualize that idea that it's like you are, you are searching for this and you are putting so much effort into it that could be better served, redirected towards something else. Yeah, so uh, it was just silly sometimes when that negative self-talk starts over something as simple as like I was in the vehicle. Uh, we had gone out into town for some resupply and stuff like that. And uh, Captain Ron had shared a joke. And immediately I, I shared a joke on top. Right, mm-hmm. And so it, it, people do it all the time. But as soon as I said it, my negative self-talk told me, oh, you shouldn't have done that. You're stepping on his toes or, you know, like nobody said anything back. You, you're dumb. Uh-huh. And um, so that just starts that kind of cycle that'll snowball. Uh, so I took the opportunity because of the people I was with and the purpose of the trip. I uh, immediately said, hey, guys. You ever do this thing where somebody tells a joke and then you tell a joke right afterwards and you just feel like such a dummy and you wish you didn't do it and you're just embarrassed? And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, all the, all the time, ha, ha, ha. And then Captain Ron goes, yeah, whatever, man, you said it. You know, <laughs> just like, own it. And that's the kind of tough love that Captain Ron brought to that whole trip was just like, man, just shut up and own it. Yeah. You know? And uh, yeah, so that was a cool experience. But that's just how easy it is to let that self-talk start going and then before you know it, it's it's a boulder chasing you down, and it's just it's just heavy. Um, so, well, you you've talked um, you've talked a little bit about your experience there, you know, and sharing around the, yeah. the, the fire yeah. and some of the other act- activities that you did. How have you been changed, and what? What was that change? So you've talked a little bit about, yeah. but but you you personally, what mm-hmm. were the things that, as much as you are willing to share, that you needed to get out and 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 how are you different now? Sure, sure. Uh, so that's tough. Mm-hmm. Of course it is. Before I lead into that, I will. Uh, I have a new crutch, right? And so I have not had energy drinks uh, for a a very long time. Uh-huh. Uh, and then out there. You know, we were drinking coffee all day because it was cold, and then some of the guys had some energy drinks, and I partook, and so it's kind of like an homage to them, and because I want it right now, uh-huh. you know, everybody just get real quiet, and we'll just listen in for something really special for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, let me just, one moment. Uh-huh. Thanks a lot, you jerks, for giving me another addiction back. <laughs> uh, so what I did out there a lot of times was, uh, one, to try and help me come back to center, but also, two, to give me some time to think of something. What was your question again? Could you repeat that? Well, I just, what, how are you different? Sure. What, what, what was it that you, you know, helped you, uh, well, what did you get released? What did you, you know, let go of? And, you know, how are you better? Yeah, so... Um, one of the things that actually helped me shake off a lot of that self-doubt and that insecurity and uh, vulnerability was a physical act. So, you know, a lot of guys and women, you know, it's, it doesn't matter, right? There's a lot of people out there 
who, because of emotional blockages, cannot cry. And nobody wants to be weak, mm-hmm. right? But that's silly. Uh, it is a very natural emotional release of difficult things. And so uh, because of some of my deployments and some of the materials in the air or whatever, um, I actually have calcium deposits on the inside of my eyes. And so that is a physical barrier that I can't cry, but also there's also the emotional attachment to things that make it difficult to cry. And so it's been at least, I don't know, pushing 15 years or something since I can remember crying. I cried one time since, and that was because it was an alcohol-induced dumb thing. And uh, But anyway, so because I can't have that release, it is really, really difficult, just like in those settings where you're you're almost at that threshold where you get into engagement and then you back down. Same kind of concept is you're, I'm, I'm building up to all this tension, all this pain to where somebody could cry and then break through and release all that stuff, mm-hmm. but I can't. And so I just hover right there and I just sit with it and it really hurts. And uh, so one thing that I did out there, um, and the first time I did it was for the other guys because they had shared so much stuff and it was so heavy that I felt you know, burdened because I was taking on that, all that stuff for them, yeah. right? And then the second time I did it was for me completely is standing around the fire. I just screamed, like not out of the blue. I said, hey, guys, I'm feeling a lot of energy. I feel pretty heavy and I can't cry. I, I, I want to yell. Does anybody want to yell with me? Nobody did because, like, it's kind of weird. Uh-huh. And uh, everybody's a little shy. And the, the ranch manager's house was right behind us. <laughs> they didn't hear it, but... You know, I just had some choice words for the fire and, and for the sky, and it really helped. I think not being able to have that release of crying in both of those moments, um, that those yells, those words, were able to carry that away from me. And so one of the things that I'm going to take away from this, and we all spend time having a moment of silence mm-hmm. as well as being on the mountaintop yelling, and yelling is a very therapeutic thing. Um, so how did I change? Uh I think I left this environment, this retreat, with a better understanding of my vulnerabilities. Those things that I wouldn't have identified previously that would lead me to the dark places, the things that would start that spiral process. Um, Because of what feedback I got from them, I think I'm gonna move forward better prepared to know what's coming, and not disassociate from it and not stop it, but to weather the storm, you know, because of the strength that they gave me and the strength of character and and uh, the leadership qualities that they placed on me. Um, I think that's going to give me the confidence and the strength to weather the storm in ways that I haven't since. And so that's something really big that I'm taking away. And just just the whole idea of not getting the validation, but getting that camaraderie and that love um, helped me shake off. Just I'm, the negative self-talk. I think that's the big, the big thing here. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot more, but right now I'm not going to be able to think of it. So, yeah. Does that answer your question? Y- yes. You can verify or uh, change it up if you want, whatever. Or you were asking for like specific stories. Well, not necessarily specific stories. Yeah. But I want uh, people watching this that uh, if they have things that they're dealing with, I-, I want them to, through watching this, sure, help them, yeah, g- get better. Um, you know, whether it means 
just through watching this and then through their own, uh, you know, introspection and thinking that, you know, that they can come to a, a good resolution or, you mm-hmm. know, they, they can help them mm-hmm. or whether it's going to motivate them to shoot, you've, you've already so, thrown it out there to, to talk to you yeah. or, or go in and talk to, uh, to somebody. Yeah. So I have three things. They are all very different. Mm-hmm. To me, they were all traumatic. And let's go. Uh, that's what one of the guys, James, always said, too. He, was, he would say, you know, let's go. And then we'd get into stuff. Anyway, so I discovered that the source of all of my self-esteem issues and the idea that I am not enough started when I was in third grade, were confirmed when I was in fourth grade, and have snowballed since. So. Okay. I was homeschooled. My mom did the best she could. Mom, I love you. This is nothing against you. Um, So my first year in a school system was in um, a Christian school, and it was really difficult because, again, no fault to her. She did her best. I was not prepared for that. And so I'll never forget those uh, lunch breaks where everybody else is out playing soccer and I'm sitting in, in the classroom by myself watching them from the window because I'm supposed to be studying my times tables. I've said it at classes before, I don't numbers. I didn't go to college because of numbers. Uh, talking about grids and call for fire and all these other things involve numbers, so I made it. I don't know. But anyway, so I had such a hard time with just my times tables as well as some other things where I had special attention given to me to get caught up. Um, her name was Mrs. Musselman, by the way, my teacher. No relation, but I stole all the lemon Jolly Ranchers. So that was really di- that was really difficult mm-hmm. um, to be in that position so young. And for my first exposure to school and like classmates and peers um, and a leadership figure outside of my family. And then fast forward to fourth grade, again, still in school. Uh, this time it was a public school. Um, I had a hard time, still. Uh, That was when my bullying started. Um, That was also a time when, and I've had to confirm this with myself and with my mom, because like, with a lot of traumatic events, I don't remember leading up to, I don't remember afterwards. I can remember the event, and that's it. And so I just remember sitting in the principal's office, Mr. Musellin, and I remember sitting there and he said to my mom with me right next to her, your son will never amount to anything. And that, I think, was just what really nailed that one home for me, that you're not enough. You're not going to be enough. Good luck, you know. And uh, that was tough. And then ever since then, the snowball took off. And before I know it, I've got like an Everest amount of snow sitting on my back. And... That just those moments have interjected themselves. I don't know if I use that word right, to be fair. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, they've injected themselves into every aspect of my life. Every single part of me was attached to those moments and those memories. And uh, it's just been really difficult. And getting into a special operations team as an E3 with no deployment experience and minimal fleet experience um, was not easy. And 
the idea of not being enough was always there and it was immediately recognizable because my peers were you know two or three ranks ahead of me two or three deployments ahead of me you know all this stuff and super awesome capable guys and good leaders but I always had that feeling of you're not enough and and the, the just the tempo of training and deployment and training and deployment you know almost made me remind myself constantly like you're not enough you need to go to this course you're not enough you need to get this capability and you know everybody should be always progressing mm-hmm. but it has its caveats and I remember when I went to get out of the military and this is another difficult thing um, at the time the Marine Corps was trying to slim down so they did the VERP volunteer enlisted early retirement program and so I got out instead of doing eight years because the guys were getting ready to do another deployment I said you know what I think I'm done um, and so I got out at seven years nine months and eleven days if anybody's counting and I told myself the two reasons I got out was one because unfortunately most Marines get divorced at some point or another and so I got out with the goal of trying to save my marriage um, unsuccessful mm-hmm. things were what they were I'm in a great place with my wife now and I have a beautiful family and a great support network um, so I got out thinking that I was going to do my part to save my marriage and then the second part of that was I just felt like I was falling behind I felt like my peers were charging up along past me and that I couldn't keep up I my you know self-talk came back around and said you're not enough you're not going to be enough and it led me out you know so that was my early exit from the Marine Corps um, I'm glad I did the following years were extremely painful and the hardest things I've ever done um, I didn't do it it happened um, to get me here to this table you know everything has a reason or a purpose but so that is something that was difficult that I've grown from and can kind of put a new perspective on I guess um, and then that the second one of that is so obviously in America in college in the military and in elite you know organizations like special operations there's just a culture of alcohol right and also being young on a team and I'm trying to be a yes man and I'm folding to peer pressure Mm -hmm. like the weakest piece of origami paper you've ever seen anything happened I'm like oh yeah sure okay let's do that oh yeah okay you know I was just a pushover no spine that's not true that's just whatever it helps fit the narrative um so I I just had this conversation with my wife today or yesterday after the counseling session that I had uh and I kind of opened up with her about it is I can say now that my senior year of high school and every year after that and all through my career I was a functioning alcoholic I knew I had a problem with drinking but I have never said that until the conversation I had with my wife just yes I can't remember the days are crazy right now yeah so being honest with myself and you know being transparent and genuine like I'm trying to do with all of you to encourage you to do the same thing um, it, it was really difficult to say that I knew it was true 
the whole time I knew it was true. You know, it must be pretty rough working with Chris and I with the the alcoholic lushers that we are. You know, we're we, yeah, yeah, <laughs> we're really creating that horrible environment for you. Yeah, so. yeah, you're really just pushing it on me I so know, bad. I know. You guys are great role models. Um, but yeah, so that you know has all of its challenges, and who knows? You know, maybe had I not willingly done all those things and put myself in those positions, I might, I guarantee, I would not be struggling with the things that I struggle with now. Yeah. You know? I, I think all of us probably has a thing or, or something sure. that, that they can say that for. Yeah. And that's, thank you for sharing that and, and, and being open. I, it, me who, who who don't drink, I've navigated that, uh, uh, that environment and sometimes to a lot of um, admiration from others, then also the ridicule and the like, I can't trust anyone who won't exactly. drink with me. Exactly. You know, and I've stuck to it. It's I, so toxic. I, I really felt, I still feel bad. Um, we got a new team captain and he was, uh, came up, oh, I don't drink, I don't drink. And the team that I was on at the time is was, one of the nasty girl teams, mm. uh, national guard teams. Um, all those guys, except for me, they, they drank heavily. And, you know, so I, I teased him just like anybody else. You, know, you get on a team, you know, you show a little bit of weakness, whatever it is, you know, I, I yeah. got hit, but, yeah. but I was strong enough and I, I didn't drink. And, uh, first night of training we were done and he was there and, and, and he, he caved and he started drinking and just, Maybe I shouldn't tease them, but anyways, it, yeah. it was it was a disaster for him. He yeah. should not have done that. Yeah. Um, shoot, memory is what it is, right? Come yeah. On. Oh, so on that note, I I do want to say something to to my team guys. Uh, I really hope that you guys have stuck this out and listened, and um, I want you to know how important you were to me then and you are now. Um, so, you know, there was a a, a recon tradition that. Marsoc enveloped, you know, took over. Yeah. Not took over, but uh, in, integrated. Inherited? Thank you. Thank mm -hmm. you. I'm not a wordsmith all the time. <laughs> anyway, um, so the paddle party. Mm -hmm. Right? So if you're changing units uh, or getting out of the service, you know, as a token of appreciation for who you are and what you've accomplished in your hard work, um, you would get a trophy in the form of a paddle. And depending on the length of it, it would say something about you. And depending on the care that they took into doing the 550 cord wraps and things like that, it would say something about you. And the colors had meaning. You know, everything on this thing had, has meaning. Meaning and, and symbolism. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And so then they would decorate, you know, the paddle portion of it with most of the time it would have like a symbol of like the last unit you were in as well as maybe your rank or like if you had jump wings or gold wings or like the Marsoc dagger, you know, it would have that on there as well as maybe a stack of ribbons or something like that if it fit. Mind fit. <laughs> um, and then it would just have different things on it, right? And so two things came out of my paddle party because I was getting out and they had this party. Um, the tradition is it's at a bar and they take turns passing the paddle around to each other and that's their microphone to say something about you. And at any given point in that ceremony, if the person receiving the paddle was told to drink, they had to drink. And so 
it, I would say probably with the majority of them that were held, the person that was supposed to be honored probably blacked out <laughs> long before they were able to give him the battle. Uh-huh. And um, I was at one where that happened, and we had to drag that guy around puking all over the place in Wilmington. Um, and it was ridiculous. And there was that is not a way to honor somebody. I get the idea of tradition. Have at it. Yeah. Do it with tea. You know? <laughs> Whatever. Anyway. And so at the time, you know, I was getting ready to get out and it was common knowledge at that point that my marriage was suffering and I started to get really plugged in at the church down there. And, um, so a a way to try and strengthen myself. And because I decided at that point I I wasn't going to drink anymore, I wore a shirt that said the blessed life, which was one of the series that we did in the, in that church. And, uh, so that kind of helped me bolster myself against alcohol and, you know, I said that to the team, and they were like, uh, of course you would wear that shirt to this. And But they they honored my wishes, and they respected me for it, and they said, look, whenever you're told to drink, we got you. We will drink. And so that was very humbling, and I was so, so grateful yeah. for the respect that they showed me. And for that group of guys who could drink they could drink. Uh-huh. I I, um, I was embarrassed, but I really appreciated what they did for me. That's awesome. Um, and it's funny, uh, before I even got into the military, you know, the, I forget the little statues that you can get from like uh, novelties. No, no. Anyway, you can get these little statues that are meant to be comm- commemorative things of like your family or whatever. Willow tree or something. My mom got me one, and it's just this little kid holding like a heart of gold, right? And so that was prior to service. And then on my paddle, inscribed on the back of it, it says, and thanks a lot, guys. I, I love this. It says, to the only CSO, critical skills operator, to the only CSO, I'm sorry, to the only Amish CSO, <laughs> because my beard looked silly uh-huh. and Quakertown was close enough to Lancaster. That's uh-huh. what they said. Uh-huh. And they said, to the only Amish CSO <laughs> with a heart of gold. May you never forget your, like, gun-wielding brothers who continue to embrace technology. <laughs> and that's burned on the back of that paddle. And <laughs> it's, nice. It's, yeah, it's so great. And so that's the heart of gold that I have that has just been buried under things that I'm trying to get back to. But even that's the wrong way to say it because I know it's there. I feel it. You know, it's just I got to get out of my own way and let it happen. Um, so that was one of the alcohol things that I was really proud of and wanted to draw attention to. And there was another one, but well, whatever. Um, so there was the childhood stuff, the alcohol stuff. And then we'll share something silly that uh, was just difficult. But it, it, it was very, I'll just say it. You know, uh, so at this, on this deployment, it was still my first deployment. We were there and, you know, you're a 12 man team staying in an old CIA compound, uh, like an hour or like two hours from the embassy by roads and Mm -hmm. they're they're putting hits out on your vehicle constantly and you have to drive them back and forth to exchange them. You got up armored vehicles or not or whatever. And like, I kid you not, our, our E and E plan had us running into the neighboring country. Enough said about that. I don't want to say anything else. 
Uh-huh. I'm sorry. I'll step back. Our E&E plan was so dangerous <laughs> that it just kind of highlighted the environment, right? Um, so... I want you guys to ask me about this so I can tell you in person what happened when I tried to leave the country. That is a great story I want to have with you all in person. Please do so. It's a long story. Uh, I have not told it often, but it's helped when I did. Um, But anyway, so something minor that happened. um, We were, you know, a small team in this compound in the middle of nowhere. Um, Details details and um it was at night you know i think some of our group had detached and gone to another location or another one of the safe houses for something but i can't remember but we we were a smaller detail at the time Mm -hmm. there and it was the middle of the night and i just remember this tremendous boom just like room shaking boom and i shot up out of bed I threw in my boots. I didn't. I grabbed my rifle and like my vest. I didn't grab pants or a jacket or my Kevlar. I just didn't tie my boots. Um, grabbed all my stuff and I sprinted out of where all the bunk rooms were and out to the main common area. And we had like a Connex box that we had outfitted as our um, uh, CCP. Okay. And um, so. Oh wow! You you guys were primitive. Yeah. Yeah. Not as primitive as you might think. We can talk offline. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, so our um, our IDC independent duty corpsman that was on there w- on the trip with us and on the team, he actually would sleep in the CCP Connex because it had air conditioning. See, we're not, we're not as primitive as you think. SOCOM <laughs> uh, did us a favor. Uh, but anyway, so he would actually sleep in there because it was so cold. And I run out to this common area, and he busts out of this Connex, similar-looking attire and lack thereof, and we're both standing there, and it's just the two of us. Nobody else got up, and we're just sitting there, like, looking around, like, you know, where's this coming from? Where's the smoke? Where's the fire? There's no gunshots and all this stuff. And so, like, we're there. This happened. It's happening now, Mm -hmm. right? And, And then we're just standing there for the longest time, like, looking around, like what is going on and we finally start to like calm down and maybe some of the adrenaline dump starts to wear off a little bit and then we look out and there's like a huge sandstorm an electrical storm rolling past and i don't know if that's what happened (laughs) i still have no idea what happened but the only thing that we could come to a conclusion on was that there was just like one of the thunderclaps was bigger than all the others and but we both loud enough to to wake both of you up yeah Yeah. and like actually like shake the building yeah and uh so you know it's little stuff like that that i would be so embarrassed to attach any sort of trauma to because to me it is so insufficient to what other people went through and so um, i think those three examples are good examples of difficult things that have happened in my life that I've been forced to work through. And, um, yeah, so does that answer your question, Ben? Yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah. Talk to me more, all right? I'm not going to, you know, pull me aside, talk to me, please, because it's not going to help me if you don't, and it will build a great relationship with somebody. So, anyway. 
you'd mentioned when we were offline. Yeah. About quiet professionals. Okay. Um, again, I think this goes into the idea that I was so junior when I got into it that they they would constantly tell us, you're not operators, which is true. Mm-hmm. Monosoc is not a tier one unit. It's a tier two organization. So you're not operators. That is right? correct. And we don't operate. Um, and so they would constantly say that. But also one of the things that they drove home religiously was to be the quiet professional. And I took that so seriously that it was a detriment to me. So I did not, you know, I did not take the cool guy pictures. I did not... When, when I, I was coming home from my first deployment, you know, outside of Camp Lejeune, there's a fence, and whenever a unit's returning from a deployment, they, it is littered with signs and bedsheets praising those guys coming home and welcome, welcoming them home. And I told my wife, I don't want that. And we had previously done that for one of my guys from high school and SOI and all that, that they got home and we left a sign up for him or whatever. So I said, I'm a quiet professional. I don't want that. And coming home, we came back. We left the airport, got to the base, had our little, like, cold cuts and fruits and whatever in our company office, and then went home. Yeah. And that sucked. That was, that sucked. I don't know how else to say it. You know, I, to the degree that it's selfish, I really would have appreciated that kind of fanfare coming home. And so there's a bunch of other things that play into the whole idea of being a quiet professional. So, like... Again, I think that put in my mind that I couldn't be proud of what I did because I shouldn't be boastful. I should be the professional that just does it anyway. Um, And yeah, so I think that that had just put another layer on my career and on my personality that uh, was a barrier between me and my true emotions and feelings. And, uh, yeah, I think, does that answer your question? Yeah. Cool. Cool. Oh, well, it wasn't much of a question. It was, I know, something that you wanted to, yeah. to, to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and actually, that brings up something from class the one time. Um, if I hear anybody else, I'll talk to you all. If I hear anybody else at a class after Jared or Kirk or Chris or Red or me or Wynn or Flynn, you know, I don't care. If I hear one more person say, I'm not a cool guy, I'm going to smack you. <laughs> All right? I get it. Cool guy is what cool guy does. Some people have a past and some people don't. Whatever. I don't want to hear that nonsense again. <laughs> I'll stop my dad moment. <laughs> okay? Anyway, so go on. No, no. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. I really do. Um, you have a background. I have a background. All of us. At, at Lodestone have a background one way or, or another about one certain thing that helps give us the um, the experience and the expertise to to teach so that you know there there is a reason for that yeah um, and that's one of the reasons why people come to us and why you know, why we're getting so busy because we do have that background and we're very capable of teaching but that cool guy thing the one thing that I like to remind people is um, with all the resources of the United States, with all the resources in the DOD, 
and our intelligence community and all the first responders um, on 9-11, the only effective fighting force the United States raised was a bunch of people who weren't, you know, here's the air quotes, cool guys in an airplane who they were Americans, all walks of life, all different types of backgrounds. And they realized what was going on and they stood up and they said, you know, no. And and they fought back. And that, 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 that's one of the reasons why we do what we do. Because when that time comes in your life, whether you're by yourself, whether it's a home invasion or, or something else, um, you're it, mm-hmm. you know, here I am, send me yeah. and you need to answer that call. Yeah. And so that's, that is my, um, annoyance that people are like, Oh, I'm not a cool guy or I didn't yeah. think, well, you're an American yeah. and you're here trying to better yourself. Exactly. Enough said. Enough said. Yeah. You're my peer. Exactly. And it's given people, uh, the tools so that they can be confident they can be courageous and they can be leaders when they're put into those situations. Um, you, you know, one thing that has, has been common with uh, with what you've been sharing, and that's that that struggle. Um, I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. I mentioned one of my uh, my teammates, my my first junior, who who took his own life, mm-hmm. and uh, what a cool guy! What a it was a privilege to know him. And one of my fondest memories was uh, our team did a, a 50 cal range. Sure, that was fun shooting the Maudus. Thank you, American taxpayer, for paying for all that 50 cal ammunition. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, but it was, a, it was a sucky day and it was raining and stuff. So, uh, long story short, all the brass was dirty. So, when he and I went to turn in the brass, uh, they wouldn't accept it because it was mud and other stuff mm-hmm. and, and we're talking yeah it's 50 cal so we're case after case after case that, yeah. that we had to clean so again one of my fond, fondest memories was he and i um we went to the wash rack for, for car washing at there at at fort campbell and uh all these civilians and people were you know taking their povs through washing them and here we pulled up our, our lmtv and we took out these cases and then we were spraying down the brass and it was so cold that mm-hmm. it was going between snow and, and sleet so here we were spraying this and now ice is forming on our <laughs> uniforms and stuff and we're just laughing at how cold we were yeah because we, we yeah. weren't wearing any cold weather gear yeah. and how ridiculous a situation that we're, we're at a wash rack spraying the stuff down and <laughs> man that that was a joyous couple of hours yeah, i spent with him just sucking in in, yeah. in that weather yeah it's like uh mopping the parade deck in a rainstorm or something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just, so some, ridiculous. Sometimes in the military, you're just like, come on, man. Um, so uh, that's some of the stuff, um, that hardship yeah. that we've tried to put into, into our classes. That's why, like our SUT classes, that's why the focus is on on leadership. Yes, you're, you're learning small unit tactics, but you're learning to work with other people mm-hmm. in adverse conditions and in unfamiliar environment and that struggle that's where that growth really comes in that's what makes that class or similar classes that we do so beneficial yeah yeah and yeah um so that brings up two things Mm -hmm. and then i think i have three others that i wrote down okay and then maybe we can start wrapping it up okay um so on the sut portion of it is hardship you know how many people 
intentionally put themselves in a hard situation where they're uncomfortable, whether that's weather related or positions of leadership mm -hmm. and stressful events, you know, you just, you have to do it. If you never do it, when that hardship comes, you're going to fold. Yes. And so I love that about this program, this core um, company is we're not just te teaching people how to do things. We're teaching people how to do things in difficult situations, even if we're just out on a flat range. Trust me, it gets mixed up. You know, uh, they, it's a great, great, great stuff. And so we're going to put you in those positions where you have to dig deep, right? And uh, if you don't, you'll say something about it in the after action, and you'll do it the next time. I was uh, the week before shot, so, so two weeks ago. Yeah. I was with a, a client of ours mm -hmm. and working with their security team. They're their uh, church security team, yeah. house of worship security team. And this is the, not the first time we've worked with them, but um, they all collectively did um, the, I think it was the pistol two class. Yes. And, and all of them, they were just smiling and loving the fact of the, that last drill yeah. where, where things are a little hands on. <laughs> they, and, and you know, you know who I'm talking uh -huh. about. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't have permission to say who they are, but yeah. some of them are, Pretty sweet individuals, and and being that aggressive is against their nature. Yep. They they're doing it because they feel called to. They need to to protect themselves yeah. and to protect their their families and, and whatnot at, at church. But uh, yeah, that 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 struggle, literally that struggle. Oh, mm -hmm. they they were just <laughs> they they were reliving that and loving it. Good, good. That's awesome to hear. Um, but yeah, so on that, when you talk about the SUT course and, and leadership, um, something that I'm very big on and I'm doing it here at this table, I'm doing my best to keep eye contact. Mm -hmm. uh, I know you guys are out there too, so forgive me. <laughs> um, but we're here, right? Mm -hmm. I'm trying to keep eye contact. And I think when I say words are powerful, communication is so important. And if you're in a position of leadership or if you're in a position of being led, you need to be able to communicate with the other individuals around you. Um, I don't know how else to explain that, but communication is so important. And when you're trying to relay information about a route you're taking or like a react, you know, react to contact drill or something like that, mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever the situation is, you got to be able to communicate clearly, concise, and without any filler. And so that's something I try and pride myself on is being a very, you know, eloquent speaker or something. I, ju I just... I want to say the right things, and I want to be understood. And I think it's important for everybody listening, um, especially if you have a hard time with like uh, public speaking, mm -hmm. you know, doing a podcast or whatever, or being in front of the <laughs> class and just doing your intro. My hands get sweaty every time, so what? Um, find ways to push yourself outside of your comfort zone and just speak. If you can't speak, read. And then speak. Find ways to be able to, without expletives, without fluff, without color, say something intentional and leave it at that. I don't know where that came from, but I wanted to say it. Um, so I think I have three more things to share, and I'll say them, and I wrote them down so I don't forget. I'd like to share another personal struggle uh, that has to do with suicide. Um, and then I kind of want to talk about... Um, some of my challenges uh, in joining you all here 
uh, with the Lodestone family. And then I have some homework for the viewers and listeners. And Sounds your, good. And yourself and, and all the Altac uh, crew. So nobody's safe. Abby, you too. <laughs> and please, if you have anything you want to say or chime in at any point, we're here. You know, we're all in this room together. I appreciate you being here and being patient when I don't do the class registrations. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so obviously, in the world at large, men, you know, statistically more common, I believe, last I heard, uh, certainly across genders, which are male and female, um, and in the military community, mm-hmm. suicide happens. Yes. Uh, it's very unfortunate. Um, I think a lot of us could probably come up with a list of names. Yes. And it sucks. Um, but actually, my first, uh, I really want to be careful because I know some of my family members are going to listen, and I know this is going to hurt a lot. So I'm going to try and be as gentle as I can. <clears throat> and this is also something that I recently uh, opened up to in more detail uh, with my wife about after this Montana trip. Um, so somebody on the wrestling team with me, somebody younger than me, um, a cousin, took their own life. Um, this is... It was, it was quite a while ago, and actually it happened when I was home on boot leave. On those 10 days I get to be home from boot camp, it happened. And this is somebody that I, obviously I was very close with, and our family is very close in general, and so it was really difficult. Um, and before I get into some more of that, like I'm so, so grateful for my senior year gym teacher, Mrs. Haynes. She knew that the both of us were wrestlers and we were already physically fit young men, and the whole course of that gym class was about you know setting up professional or personal like fitness goals and so she we would do warm-ups with the rest of the class and then she would all right guys go ahead do whatever and so he and I would go down to the wrestling room and just goof off take naps wrestle play football you know whatever and I will forever be grateful for all those gym classes where I got to have one-on-one time with him and I don't know what else to say about that Um, but anyway, so this happened, right, when I was home on boot leave, and, Dad, I'm sorry, this is probably going to hurt if you ever come across this, um, I have no clue why my dad felt compelled to get me and my older brother, was like a year and a month older, and he took us there. He put us in the car and drove us there. Uh, If my memory serves correctly, we got there before law enforcement even showed up because we were pretty close. Um, But I might be wrong on that. You know, I don't know. Things are difficult to remember. Um, But I I do remember not seeing any law enforcement. Um, You know, and I don't know why that happened. I don't know why I had to be there. And so we got out of the car and walked into, into the house. And I remember the scene very vividly. I'm not going to describe it because I don't want to. Mm -hmm. But it was very fresh. 
It was very visceral, and it was horrible. And I don't understand or know what compelled my father to take us there. I, I genuinely believe that he was doing it from a place of love to try and support however he could, and that's just what he decided to do. I trust his, his parenting and leadership, but it was a mistake. And I just don't understand why I had to have that experience. Um, but it happened, and I'm grateful for the time that I had with, with him uh, prior to. So that's just another thing that, you know, a lot of people uh, struggle with, that topic, and you're not alone, you're never alone. You know, the Marine Corps, um, not sorry, sorry, MARSOC, Marine readers have, have uh, you know, won their motto and won a saying, right? So, Spiritus Invictus is an unconquerable spirit. And so, um, you just need to become that unconquerable spirit and you need to build the network around you. You need to build up your resources. You need to build up your toolkit and your box and put together your team to become that individual and be able to walk through these types of situations and support yourself and those around you that have to deal with these unnecessary pains. Um, and then the other is something I shared with the guys in Montana and they really enjoyed it, was uh, appreciated. It was never above you, never below you, always beside you. And, you know, on the teams and in that community, we hear it all the time, but I don't think I ever, like, it was just something you said or something you heard or something you read. Um, and after the fact, you know, th those words mean a lot more to me now. And uh, I forget where I was going with the rest of that. But, um, yeah, it's just you need to become as strong as you can for those around you and to be ready for difficult times. Um, and actually, I think that brings up another thing. Uh, thank you for being patient and continuing to stay with us because this is, I think this is good. It's good for me, certainly. Mm -hmm. if, if nobody else gets anything out of it, this has been great for me. Um, this is also, my self-talk is telling me, don't do it. It's silly. It's embarrassing. And you didn't earn it. That's what my mind is telling me right now. This is something... I never told anybody on my teams. This is something that even the guy that I went through boot camp in infantry school and the pipeline and deployments and keep in touch and we were both junior when we got on the team, he doesn't know. And I don't want to dime him out, but he and I both had the same feelings of not ever being enough. And, and so I know he struggles with that. I hope mm -hmm. he listens to this. In the Marine Corps and in special operations, it became a point of pride that I never had a tattoo because most people have many, you know. That's just the culture. And I never got one. And I was like, cool. I'm special because I don't. Um, and it took you several years. I can't remember when exactly, but several years after I got out, I started expressing interest in getting a tattoo with my brother. Uh, we have a brother's group chat. And so the idea came up. They asked what I would get. And I was like, I don't know. I, just, I think I just want a tattoo or whatever. Uh, Punisher skull? Dang it. <laughs> Is it that obvious? Crap. <laughs> Yeah, anyway. Um, so I started sharing with them like what I wanted to get. Mm -hmm. And 
my intentions in getting this tattoo was, and where I got it, was part of that self-esteem and self-worth. I wanted something that I had to see on me anytime I was in front of the mirror, you know, whatever, in pictures, the situation. I've never made a... I like sharing. You know, everybody gets a dopamine hit from social media. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you are. And so I never shared anything that would reveal this tattoo because I was terrified to get found out. And <laughs> or for somebody... Because I've been called out for stolen valor. Mm. Um, that's a story for another time. Yeah. If you want to now, I don't care. Um, but I was terrified somebody would see this tattoo and pull the Don Shipley and be like, you're not this, you're not that, you don't rate, blah, blah, blah. And so I avoided and would take great lengths to make sure nothing got on social media that would reveal this. Um, so... My brothers pulled together and said, hey, we want to get you this tattoo. We know how much it means to you. Come on down to where my brother in Maryland gets his tattoos. He trusts the guy there. I went down there, and I got the, the Marsoc dagger, the, the, the symbol, the badge, the pin that you get when you become a special operations Marine, which didn't even come about until after I got out. Sure, we got the MOS when I was in, but, you know, it wasn't created at the time. So I got that tattoo, tattooed. Um, on my chest where I would wear it on my uniform and so that's something that I'm forced and forcing myself to reconcile with my insecurities and vulnerabilities and accomplishments and things that I am proud of every single time I see myself every time I see an image of myself I have to reconcile with that and that has been a tremendous help for me I I still am uncomfortable about it but I'm getting through that I earned it I'm not ashamed of it I'm not ashamed of having the tattoo. And, uh, yeah, so there's that part that I wanted to share with the world for the first time. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to be like Chris, though, and show you my tattoo at every class because it's uh, it's on my chest, and I don't have... Yeah, anyway, you, you get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know, honestly, I, I feel like I could talk about a couple more things. Yeah. Phil's time to start wrapping this up. Yeah, maybe okay. that's a story for another time. Um, like I said a couple times throughout this, I would love it if you guys would approach me at a class on social media, however you want to and can. I have a busy life with lots of kids and yard and animals and garden, but I'll make the time. If you make the time, I would love to get vulnerable with you people. Um, so I did have homework to issue everybody. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I got a list. No, there, there's one more thing that I wanted to say because it's important to you and me here. Um, and then I'll let you get a chance to say something before I keep monopolizing our time, which I greatly appreciate you letting me do, mm-hmm. boss. <laughs> uh, and then I'll give out homework. So joining the Lodestone team was terrifying. It really was. Um the whole reason I had sent you this massive like application packet of everything that I th- could think of and I pushed it all on you guys was because I was trying to put out there what I thought I was worth and what I thought made me acceptable in this community. And so I had dumped all that I could into those application forms and everything like that and pictures and my short bio and all that stuff and in our, in our interview, you mm-hmm. know. Um, 
which I really appreciated you saying you enjoyed that time. That made me feel great. Um, so what ended up happening was coming into this, one of the things that was really difficult for me uh, in more recent um, was stepping into the Lodestone crew, the, the family, the environment here at Lodestone Training and Consulting. You know, it was, I wasn't happy with where I was in my life or with my career path and I know I wanted to do more. And so I remember, you know, I was so excited for this opportunity that I was trying to create for myself. You know, I, I found you guys again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I put together this huge packet of paperwork. You know, I had a bio, I had credentials, I had put pictures of me in advisor positions teaching. And I tried to put together this huge, like, application packet to send to you to try and impress, you know, whoever. And to just try and really market myself. And I set myself up for a lot of, um, not failure, but um, difficulty by doing that. Uh, and in the interview I had with you, I thought it went fantastic. I interview well. <laughs> Kudos to me, right? But <laughs> I, I, I really appreciated how you said you enjoyed that time. That was important and special to me. Um, but in putting myself out there so blatantly and putting all that stuff down and like uh, the letters of recommendation from some of my team you know, officers and stuff like that, that, that was a lot of pressure that I put on myself. And so, again, my vulnerabilities and insecurities and all that that I keep talking about this whole time um, started started turning, started kicking. And, you know, I don't have the typical soft build. Um, I don't talk like a typical Marine or soft, you know, person. I have forgotten a lot of things. I am in general a more quiet individual and so with the fact that I'd been called out for stolen valor in the past very very publicly I've always been afraid of being found out that terrifies me and so I'm doing it to myself now Uh, and I did it around the fire in Montana I found myself out right and in classes and stuff like that, I'm so afraid and I have this feeling like something's going to happen. Somebody's going to say something or ask something or I'm going to say something or do something and somebody's going to question me. Not to my face, maybe not even to you guys or you guys to each other or whatever the situation is. I was and still sometimes whatever terrified that I'm going to be found to be less than. And it is so challenging to constantly walk around, you know, on eggshells with that fear. You know, you're walking on a sheet of ice constantly because you're, you're, you're trying to control and manipulate every situation and every conversation so that that doesn't happen. And, you know, I would try and steer conversations towards things that I felt confident talking about. And I would steer things away from other situations that I was less confident with. Um, and I, when I pride myself on my communication, you know, like how can, how can I pride myself on my communication if, if I also have these lingering fears? And so in joining the Lodestone family, um, I've had to face those. And one of the things that 
I heard from, from you was very helpful. And I can't remember if it was probably on one of the podcasts that I started binging when you told me to um, before coming on. But you had said, we are all or you are a product of your circumstances. And so that has given me, do you remember saying that kind of thing? Vaguely. Okay. Well, you did and it's great. You did and it's great. And I've said it again too. Um, But that's given me the kind of courage to recognize that it's okay to not know everything, not be capable of everything, and not be what you think you should be. That's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. You you can understand that you are a product of your circumstances. You have done, learned, been through, said, whatever, what you have. Own it. You know, Don't be ashamed of it. Just own it. And one of the best things that you can do, like, and I've done a couple times, is one, verify, like, does that answer your question? That's a perfectly simple way for you to try and get on the same page with somebody. I've said multiple times at courses, hey, I think that's a better question for Kirk or for Chris. It hurts to say that. I don't want to appear less than, but it's it's the truth. It's legitimate. Not that I'm less than, just that you guys all have an insane amount of time and experience doing all these things. I do as well but just not as, as much. And you know, that, that is what it is. I can't change that. It's mm-hmm. my circumstances. Um, so when I first came in and, you know, was trying to to be enough, I was just terrified the whole time. My first several times out to classes, uh, Chris says I, when I lost my prospect patch out there, he says, oh, he's, he's not just quiet. He's very humble and respectful, which I loved hearing. But that's not the whole truth. I didn't want to say anything and sound like an idiot. You know, I'd rather be quiet and thought an idiot than to open my mouth and remove all doubt, you know. And so that's a good portion of why I have not been quiet. And so after this, I'll be talking a lot more. <laughs> Just kidding. I, I still like being quiet. Um, <laughs> um, and again, some of the things that you guys did for me that you have no idea um, you were doing was the way that you all treated me. After we got through the like the feeling out phase or whatever, and you guys started to understand me a little bit or whatever, um, the way that you guys, uh, and I spend most of my time with you and Chris, so the way that you two treated me, the level of respect that I felt from the both of you, with our backgrounds being the way that they are, and the level of respect that I got from all of our students, which I not the best term, participants, mm-hmm. you know, with the, with the respect that I felt from them seeing me in that place as an instructor or a leader or whatever, um, it was very difficult to come to terms with and to let it break through that ice, that through that barrier, but it has changed, has helped to change the way that I view myself and my circumstances. And just in the way that you all have taken me on, have treated me like a brother. Chris says brother all the time, and, like, I, I love that. I really do. Um, and I'm trying to own it, and I really appreciate it. So before it gets too sappy, <laughs> and before I give you a chance to talk, and then before I give out homework, mm-hmm. um, I want to share one more thing. What would Chris do, Right? I brought my beard butter and I used some beard butter because that's mm-hmm. what Chris would do. Um, 
and it's fun to poke at and make fun, not make fun, make jokes about. And I don't, you know, he can cringe all he wants. Um, but the fact that those guys at that private class showed up, having spent the time and money, all wearing a t-shirt. I don't know if you can see it, but there it is. <laughs> I won't keep bringing this up, Chris. Okay, I enough said. But anyway, the fact that these individuals. Go ahead. His mom watches this and listens to the podcast as well. I bet she, she's, she's she comments a lot too. That, good. That'll good. be good. I would love to meet her someday. <laughs> I hear she's not a hippie. Um, um, my mom is. It's okay. Um, the fact that they spent time and money and energy creating that token for him is so amazing to me because. They trust him with so much. Their safety in going to these courses, and they trust the information that they're passing to them to save their lives or save other people's lives. And it is just such an honor to see that. And I know I'm in the right place. I just know it. Because if you can make that kind of impact, haha, we all have the same shirt, you know, whatever. I, if you can make that kind of impact on a group of individual individuals, um, I wouldn't be a part of that. I absolutely wouldn't be a part of that. And so that I, I loved being there for that class. That was really cool to see. Um, so for those of you that did that, freaking awesome. Just awesome. Um, so... I would like you to take some time to, to say anything that you have to say. I'm going to give out homework, and then you can wrap this up for us. Okay. I guess the biggest thing that I've been thinking about, um, one, you know, thank you for, mm-hmm. for sharing all that. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, I, I know people. Um, I've had teammates, not just one, but I've, ha- I've had teammates and people that I know who, who have – taken their own life yeah Uh, we all have have hardships um we all go through stuff uh just like uh we've demonstrated here you know reach out talk um Mm. people have reached out to me and reached out to the company um in times of distress in the past please do so um share this this podcast if you think it's helpful with uh with some some people i'm just like uh just like Micah said, it's very normal when you're in that environment that creates that brotherhood and that camaraderie. In our case, our military experience, but that's it's not the only place. And then when you leave that, it's it's normal to uh, to miss it and then isolate yourself. Mm-hmm. And if you find yourself isolating, uh, open up, start interacting with people, talk. Um, we we generally care. Um, and we want you to, uh, we want you to be healthy. Absolutely. So, what homework do we have? Yeah. Okay, guys, get out your pen and paper. Uh, I'm going to be quizzing you guys on this afterwards if you're at a class, and I would love it if you approach me, make yourself go through that vulnerable state, step out on a limb, come out and talk to me, and give me my homework. I will collect that ish. <laughs> um. Real quick, though, final shout-out to Snowcrest Ranch. Um, What an amazing group of humans. I'm so thankful for their hospitality and their compassion to spend some time with us and to take 
part of their day and their, you know, I just can't say enough how grateful I am for them. As well as the Project Refit team, you guys crushed it. You know, you're, you've been crushing it. You're doing wonders for the veteran, active duty, law enforcement, and first responder community. I am honored to have been a part of that, and I hope to continue to be a part of that. And enough said. Great job. Uh, so homework. Let me flip back in my notes real quick. Okay. Um, all right, here we go. Write this down. Um, I want you all to come up with your own positive affirmations. Those things, like I said to myself, um, my bloodline goes back to the Indian Empire. I am a warrior. I have a heart of gold. I am Micah. That is my statement that I developed at this retreat that I'm going to use carrying forward, and it is my, yes, you can. It is my, you are enough. You are capable and strong. And, you know, it. I want you to come up with something that you can say to yourself, to yourself, or even better, out loud in front of people, that will give you the courage to do whatever it is you're about to do. Please. Positive affirmations, number one. Um, number two, and this is something that I enjoy doing, even though it sucks, I want you to put yourself... Yeah. I want you to put yourself into a difficult situation, not a dangerous one. I want you to put yourself into a difficult situation out of your comfort zone and out of your capability level. But I also want you to give yourself an out. I want you to give yourself a way out and a way to quit. And so the idea behind that is you're going to have times in life where you're given an option. There's a fork in the road. You can either go left or right, up or down, in or out, you know. I want you to take the time to build your resolve for those times that you don't control. Put yourself in a difficult position. For me, I struggle with the pistol sometimes, and I'm always a little nervous to get out in front of everybody, especially the other instructors, and shoot a demo. I've had no negative experiences after doing any of that. It's all in my head. I know I'm capable. I know I can um, but, you know, given the opportunity a few times, I did take that out. I quit. I said, hey, Chris, I have, you know, excuse X, Y, and Z. And then he would do the demo. And so <clears throat> I want you to put yourself in a position where you have to make a tough choice. It's okay to quit. It is just fine. If you're not ready and you need to, go ahead. Um, but recognize why you made that decision. And I would encourage you to push through that barrier and not give up. That's number two. Um, number three, um, your your wives, girlfriends, and significant others will thank me. You're welcome. Uh, Jared and, and Chris might have contrary words, but I'm sure they understand what I'm trying to say completely. It is so easy to keep up with the Joneses. Joneses. It is so easy to try and buy your way out of... Uh, bad habits. You know, how many times have you heard them say those kinds of things? Um, and it is fun to come out to new courses where we or other participants show off this new cool toy that they have It's and this new capability. Right on. Do that. However, it's 2024 and some of you still can't do things with those shiny whistles and bells. Okay? You know who you are. Um, 
I want you to sit with what you got. Hold fast. Don't buy the new tech. Don't buy the new gear. Obviously, buy the stuff that is towards the end of its service life. You know, there's some stuff that's obviously replaceable, but don't go out and buy that new whiz bang thing. You know, what is you always say? Don't be that star belly snitch. Yeah, that's over my head. I guess I'm too young. Oh, that's that's Dr. Seuss. I should know that. Yeah, I'm not that young. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we say all the time, like you need to be proficient with what you've got. So for those of you out there that have all these things, maybe take some time slimming it down, go a little bare bones, go back to iron sights, you know, whatever. I want you to spend some time with the basics. Go back to the foundations and not just foundations of training, foundations of equipment, because that's part of it. Foundations of your abilities. Um, so don't spend the money on gear. It's 2024. The economy's tough. We're trying to find ways that make it easier for people to come out to events yeah. um, and save a few bucks. Um, so... With that being said, don't make those unnecessary investments that you don't have to. Train with what you got. Become become a wizard with what you've got. And then maybe in 2025 when things are a little bit better, buy that next whatever trinket. Um, and with that, if you're not going to spend the money on equipment, uh, spend that money on training. And I would love it if it was with us, obviously. I think you would be better for it, but... Whatever training event you can get to, do it. Invest that money somewhere else that's going to help you more than just going out and buying the coolest new skateboard or pair of Jordans or whatever, or the coolest shiny new podcast microphone, you know? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, so those are your three pieces of homework for viewers, listeners, um, participants, your friends that you know, all of us. I'm still going to f- try and do, do those things. So I'll end what I have to say with open invitation again. Please come talk to me. Pull me aside. Shoot me a message on social media. What's your uh, LTAC handle on Instagram? Yeah, so my, my LTAC uh, account is LTAC underscore Micah. Um, use it. Um, I, I, my, my personal life and my family it's very much a part of my personality that I am trying to bring to this family as well. And so also, you know, I'm not going to approve everybody because I don't know all of you, but I would love it too if you got to know a little bit more about me and you can go on my um, Muscles525, my, that's my personal Instagram account. I have a Facebook account, but I use that for other things. Um, so that's all I have to say. Um, I would love to hear from you. I really appreciate your time, your your energy. I appreciate you letting me get vulnerable, and I I'm here. I'm Micah. Cool. You Thank like, you. Yeah. Would you like to send us out? Sure. Hey, thank you for watching and and listening. We uh, we just got a message today. Or driving in here, I saw it on social media on, on Instagram. Somebody commenting about uh, hardship in their life, and they didn't know that we were planning on doing this podcast today. Yeah. Um, but they uh, said that they turned on the podcast and hit the right one, and the things that Chris and I were saying touched them and helped them to put things in perspective and help them to uh, you know take one more step and keep moving forward. It's one of the main reasons why we do this podcast. It's a labor of love, and uh, we appreciate the time that you spend with us and we'll keep it up y'all stay safe out there we'll talk to you again next time